The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by friend of the program, Ben Baldwin, to take a snapshot of the league as we head into the playoffs, discussing some of the potential outcomes and scenarios that are in balance as we head to the playoffs, discussing some of the head coaching changes going into the NFL, and of course, a look at what the rookie quarterbacks have done up into this point, and some speculation about the future of Russell Wilson in Seattle. I always enjoy when Ben comes on the program. I hope that you guys do too. If you want bonus episodes of the show, you can subscribe on patreon.com slash takecast, or you can just support us via rating or reviewing the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the program. All right, everyone, welcoming in uh, noted TakeCast fan favorite Ben Baldwin to the show. You know, really football Twitter in general just loves Ben Baldwin. They love they love his charts. They love all of his opinions. They love uh, you. They, 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 they love when you criticize Matt Stafford the most. I think I think the uh, the Stafford Goff comparison graphs are, are really I, I would say that's your, you know, the number one thing that people are a fan of at the, this point in time. Um, that, that's a good intro transition because I was trying to think of the last time I was on the show and I'm pretty sure it was right before the season when I was very skeptical about the Rams being good and uh, and you, you tried to sell me on them being good and having a, a good offense so uh, I, I got to take the L here after <laughs> after the uh, preseason start so they they've been a pretty good team uh, Matt Stafford's ups and downs aside and and they're, they're in the playoffs and the Seahawks aren't. So uh, uh, I, I can't win them all here. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, you were, you were far from uh, in the minority opinion there. I think the, I think the, the, the data people were pretty skeptical. Hermsmeyer has been skeptical of Stafford. Uh, I think lots of people are, are still, even, even after the season that they just had, uh, I think lots of people are still skeptical of the Rams. I certainly am not um, one of these skeptics and, you know, it's hard for me to come up with a real reason than like, yeah, no shit. Matt Stafford is better than Jared Goff, but it doesn't, it doesn't really bear itself out in the data that this version of Stafford, who I think is probably a little bit banged up is on the field, very similar to the 2018 version of Goff when they made the Super Bowl. their, their results, you know, you t- take apart how they actually do it take apart, you know, Cooper Cup basically being Calvin Johnson and and just look at the actual results and it's it's very similar. Yeah, there over the offseason there was there were all these questions about why golf was so much worse in 2019 and 2020 and a, a lot of people thought that like the league was catching up to Sean McVay, he lost his fastball 
these other, or maybe Jared Goff just was legitimately playing worse, which I probably was part of it. But I, I think one thing that we probably could have talked about more, meaning the collective NFL public was just how much worse the surrounding infrastructure was around Goff in 2019 and 2020, and especially their offensive line. They were incredible in, in 2017 and 2018, and that, that probably really helped Goff in their offense. And uh, now somehow they're incredible again, which I don't know how anyone could have seen coming and their left tackle is 40 years old. 40 years old. <laughs> yeah. So I think like in one sense, that was a miss because um, maybe we, we could have paid more attention to kind of the, the surroundings around Goff over time. But at the same time, I don't know how anybody could have known that their offensive line plus Cooper Cup, as you mentioned, would just become incredible this season. Which, I mean, look, you know, Cooper Cup had his fans, but even if you want to uh, extend this corollary to nerds doing fantasy football, like Robert Woods was on average being drafted ahead of Cooper Cup in fantasy football drafts this year. So like, sure, there were people that liked Cooper Cup that thought he was very good. Uh, No, literally not one person, probably not Cooper Cup himself thought that the season he just had was, was in his range of outcomes. And by the way, the, the league figuring Stafford out thing, that was, that was like a popular talking point this season. Um, we, you know, we had the, we had the Rams went through like a little mid season sputter here. Let me, let me pull it up. So they, they lose to the Titans 16 to 28. They lose to the 49ers uh, 10 to 31 before their, by week and people are are literally doing this they're saying uh you know they're making the comparison that um sean McVay teams in the second half of the season they're way worse in terms of epa ypa all those things which you know i don't know the they, then they just proceed to crush people although the very weird loss to the 49ers in a game that they were trying the entire time in in week 18, which, you know, partly was Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo had really good games, but also, you know, Stafford has really started to, to turn up the interception throwing um, the last month of the season, which is uh, sort of a trademark of his when he's been injured. Yeah. And going back to the pass protection thing, that, that last 49ers game was the first time that a team has really consistently gotten after Stafford for an entire game. And uh, lo and behold, Stafford did not look great for uh, stretches of that game. Um, and, and again, had, had the two interceptions, although in his defense, the first interception was like throwing very deep on third and long, which is like, okay, whatever. And then the the second one happened, I think after the Cardinals had already lost. So like at that point, it didn't really matter uh, what happened in that game. But um, if I were a Rams fan, I would not, I would not feel great about the likelihood of Stafford stringing together four games without imploding at some point um, during that, which is what they need to actually win the Super Bowl. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel great about that either, but I actually have similar concerns, uh, similar offensive concerns about every good NFC team, which I, I classify as the Cardinals, the Rams, the Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys. I think, I think, all, and, well, and, and the Packers. I mean, I, but I have no concerns. Like, we just know exactly what the Packers are going to do, and it's just going to be a like, I don't know. It's like the, I've seen this movie before with the Packers, you know, like, it, so it gets to the like, NFC championship game and then find a way to not, find not a way to lose. Yeah. Whether it be, whether it be because Rogers is not as sharp, whether it be because the Fleur has a cowardly game, whether it be, you know, the defense uh, d- does not do their job, which is what happened in the Buccaneers game was the defense was just a total no show. And, and actually again, San Francisco, uh, 
the the defense. I mean, Raheem Mostert had what 250 rushing yards and three touchdowns or something in that game. It was just like uh, they just played you know 1980s football against the Packers. But the Cowboys, I mean, we've seen their offense completely just not show up. Uh, the Denver game, they, it was basically like they they might as well have just not played that game. Um, the Buccaneers losing Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans is I, I think. Mike Evans is at the very least banged up. He certainly is not going into the playoffs 100% healthy, which leaves them in the precarious position of, I mean, Gronk has to play every snap and Gronk. He can't just be a blocker, which is going to be fine. But, you know, again, we've seen Gronk get injured all these times. Then the Cardinals, clearly their fatal flaw is Cliff is just bad. Um, you know, the, the jury's been out. I have, as far as I, I think, you know, the jury's been out on Cliff for a while because he does some interesting things on offense, but is very conservative. But now they're not even doing anything interesting on offense. They're using Zach Ertz like he's Rondell Moore. And uh, who's who's the other team that I was just talking about? Some other – oh, and, and um, yeah, the, 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 the 49ers, it's like, you know, Jimmy could just show up to work one day and not be able to complete a pass. Like we've seen this happen plenty of times. So the NFC has all these teams that at like a, their 75th percentile, they're all incredible, but at their 15th percentile, which we've already seen this year, uh, they've been terrible. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, and going back to the Rams, I think they got very fortunate with their first round opponent, uh, which is the Cardinals. And they like, since losing Hopkins, just their offense has not been very impressive and like if, if you were the Rams, I and you could pick any of the well, maybe not the Eagles, which is the team we didn't talk about. But Eagles aside, I think the Rams have to be totally satisfied to have a home game against uh, the Cardinals to advance in the playoffs. And if that happens and all the favorites win, then we'll get exactly what we saw last year, which is Rams at Packers in the divisional round, which would be interesting given all the changes that the Rams have made. That that would be that would be a very interesting game. Um you know, probably one of the teams that could force the Packers to have to try and score 40, which, you know, obviously they can do, but the Rams also have this huge schematic advantage against the Packers that really no other team does, which is that you don't have to put a safety over Devontae Adams and you can just say, Jalen Ramsey, do your best. You know, you can give up uh, nine receptions for 110 yards to Devontae Adams, as long as it's not 14 receptions for 210 <laughs> yards, which I think, you know, like if, for example, if the Buccaneers and the Packers play, I, I mean, Devontae Adams is going to just, you, he, it will just be unbelievable what he'd be able to do to these teams with bad secondaries. Yeah. And it, it's kind of surprising that the Packers offense wasn't better in the NFC championship game last year. And the, I, I think the Bucks defense created a couple, wait, no, the, the Packers defense created two interceptions, I think, in the yes. second half, and the, the Packers offense just couldn't do anything with it, which um, I, I thought there was no way the Packers were going to lose that game, and so, somehow, um, somehow they did. Well, you know, Tom Tom Brady, he always, he always <laughs> finds a way. Uh, and then on the, the AFC side of the bracket, um, I mean, has there ever been a more fraudulent one seed than the Tennessee Titans? Like, I don't know, maybe they're not fraudulent. But I just don't believe in them at all. Like I like we we did a show yesterday talking about fantasy football stuff for the playoffs, like one and done. And we like talked ourselves into the Titans losing their first home game, like getting like getting the bye, losing that game, and just you know immediately washing out. Which is because we we've gotten so used to the the Chiefs being the one seed 
uh, and and I mean probably they are the best team in the AFC, but just like the the market clearly agrees because the Chiefs are favored over the Titans to win the AFC, despite the fact that they have to play an extra game, which is just not the way probability works. Yeah, although the, the Chiefs are favored by 13 points in this extra game, so it's, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> it's a it's a high likelihood of advancing. But yeah, the, the Titans definitely don't look like a normal number one seed. And uh, so I think if all the favorites win, they would play the Bengals in the second round. And which like they're begging to lose that game. And then if the Patriots, <laughs> if the Patriots beat the Bills, uh, I mean, certainly you can see the Patriots beating mm-hmm. the Titans. Like both of those are spots where you can talk yourself into the underdog getting a result. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't think it would be surprising if uh, the Titans lost to either one of those teams. But and markets might have those games as like close to 50-50. and maybe even the Patriots would be favored, um, which Titans fans would not like to hear the explanation for. Um, but at the same time, all the Titans have to do is win a home game um, with extra rest, and then they're in the AFC Championship game, and, and who knows what can go from there. So. Yeah, they're they're definitely not like as good of a team as the Chiefs or Bills, especially um, on the AFC side. But um, like, there's a world where, for example, the the Raiders beat the Bengals, and then all the Titans have to do to get to the AFC Championship game is win a home game against the Raiders or something like that. So it's right. Um, that, that, that's how advantageous the number one seed is. Where even if you're not a very good team, it just takes two home games and you're in the Super Bowl. And that's I, I think the the last closest analog we've seen to this Titans team is, is that 2015 Broncos team where yep. Peyton Manning could like barely throw a football, but they had some ridiculous rec- record in one score games and they, they got these home games and were able to um, even go on to win the Super Bowl. So I, well, and I the, deep, the defense, the defense, the <laughs> yeah. defense was just unbelievable for that Broncos team. Yeah, uh, you the, know, the, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about the Titans and, uh, you know, the, the, the football guys will not like to hear this is that they've actually been just as good of a running team with Dante Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols, who's now no longer on the team. They, they actually, they actually have rushed for more yards in games where Henry didn't play than the eight games that Henry did play, which I, I find to be fascinating and, uh, actually probably is considering that AJ Brown's been hurt all year, the Julio Jones trade has not worked out at all, probably is actually a signal that Vrabel, who is a coach that I've not known what to make of up until this point, is actually probably quite a good coach, especially because, you know, so many people were crediting Arthur Smith for designing this heavy play action offense. And, you know, he goes to Atlanta and they, they certainly are, are no special shakes on offense with a similarly talented quarterback and Matt Ryan. So it, 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 the, the Titans are just like, I have no idea what to make of them. I just have no clue what they are. Yeah. And that's the injuries that you mentioned uh, to AJ Brown and Julio Jones is another reason that it's hard to know what to make of them because like they had these games in the middle of the season where on, it was, I think it was back-to-back weeks where they, they got, they lost to the Texans in a very ugly game when yeah. Ryan Tannehill had like, four interceptions I think, was, I think yeah it was like four interceptions and seven turnover really plays in the fourth quarter like something crazy like that where he he just not had a he did not have a good game and then the following week they played the Patriots and they they ran all over the Patriots despite not having Derrick Henry but couldn't stop fumbling and eventually all the all the missing people caught up to them and they ended up getting blown out in the end so if you look at like their point differential or EPA per play or something over the course of the whole season, it's not going to look very good, but they also played a lot of games without um, the players that are going to be on the field uh, once the playoffs actually started. And 
on Sunday, Julio Jones looked really good. And if they have a, a full-strength Julio Jones and a full-strength A.J. Brown and their offensive line is back, then I think in theory they can score with anybody. It's just a question of whether whether that actually happens. Well, and it's it's hard to diagnose how they match up against the Chiefs, too, because yeah. it was that it was that Chiefs game, that Chiefs Titans game where, where Kansas City really bottomed out, where they I think they turned the ball over four times in the first half, three or four times in the first half. Uh, two, one one interception from Patrick Mahomes that is just was like clear that he was trying to do too much. And I, I mean, I say this one, you know, mostly because I, I am certainly rooting for the Chiefs and I, I like them, but it's very hard to know what to make of them because the the data, you know, the EPA stuff and the yards per play stuff suggests that they're very similar to the teams that they've been when they've been good before, you know, last season and, and the Super Bowl winning season in 2019. But when you watch them, like when you actually watch the games, uh, which is, you know, whatever, it does not feel it does not feel the same at all. It feels like every play takes a lot of effort. Um, it feels like they want to run the ball way more than they've wanted to run in the past. It feels like they're relying on the defense making plays in a way that they never relied on before. You know, thinking back to the the Texans game in 2019, they get down 21-0 and they're they're up 35 to 21 at half, and it's like that 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 is just a, a higher variance strategy that they're playing. I think because you 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 think of the control possessions, limit mistakes as a low variance strategy, but that means that if something goes against you, if Daryl Williams fumbles, if Ty- Tyreek, you know, it, uh, there was a stretch in the season where Marcus Kemp, Tyreek Hill and Jody Fortson all fumbled the ball on back-to-back-to-back possessions. And it's just like, you can't overcome that if you're still not the Death Star Chiefs. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you that the, the sense of invincibility or inevitability doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like that's there like it was in prior seasons. Um, right. Like, like last year, obviously this didn't turn out to be the case, but I, I never felt that anyone other than them was going to win the Super Bowl. Um, and maybe that would have turned out to be right if their offensive line didn't get hurt ahead of time. But watching, like watching the AFC championship game against the bills, like there was never a single moment where you thought that the chiefs might not win that game, or at least for me. Um, but this year there's um, like that second game against the chargers. Like I remember watching the game, which, which again, may or may not be a good idea, but thinking, right. like, I don't, I don't know if the chiefs even look like the better team in this game. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Um, and and they they ended up pulling that out, but it didn't look that impressive. And that there's been other times this season where um, it, it's kind of been like that. So if like if they had a, an AFC Championship rematch against the Bills, um, the the Chiefs would be at home, which is good. But I don't I don't think I would feel nearly as strongly that the Chiefs were going to win as I did um, last year. But I I feel. What, I'm wondering your opinion on this. I feel like the Bills are a worse version of the team from last year as well. And I think there are, you know, a couple things that go there. One is just that uh, a lot of the high variant stuff that they do, you know, the downfield throwing and stuff has just not been as successful as it was last year, which is like, whatever, you're going to get those results. The defense is clearly better. But I also, I also feel like any game where Josh Allen makes a couple mistakes, you know, whether it be, um, you know, turning the ball over, taking a bad sack or whatever. I feel as if the the coaching staff like turtles up a little bit. We saw this happen in the Atlanta game. And of course, you know, they end up winning that Atlanta game by 
I think 17 points in the end, but they could have lost that game. I mean, Matt Ryan had a rushing touchdown to tie the game that got called back by a taunting penalty, which is like the funniest thing ever that Matt Ryan gets a taunting penalty. But that game, that was the the game where they decided like, okay, we're going to give the ball to Devin Singletary a bunch, which is a, it's a bizarre decision um, from them because it's so different from what they've done the last two seasons. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Um, and maybe I'm overweighting the the last time the Chiefs and Bills played where like you remember Daniel Sorensen getting yeah, got roasted. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's happened in recent weeks too. So um, whatever defensive adjustments the Chiefs made to stop being the worst defense in the league, uh, like they were over the first part of the season, they're, they're still having these plays where you're having uh, Sorensen matched up on Jamar Chase or whoever the Chiefs are playing that day. So it's like, they're, they're still, I, I think there's still that potential. And if, if we saw a Chiefs Bills matchup and, and if, if we get high variance, good Josh Allen on a given day, then I think that would worry me as a Chiefs fan. I mean, I, I, the defense is just clearly a huge worry. Like the, the, the defense is, the defense is not good. I mean, the results they got were against these awful quarterbacks, you know, backup court Jordan Love and Daniel Jones and, and all of that stuff. So like, I, I certainly don't buy into the idea that the defense is that improved. And, you know, the, the other concern is, Tyreek and Kelsey are both banged up. I mean, they, they yeah. both missed time with injury. They both missed time with COVID Tyreek injured his heel in the warmup against the Broncos and, you know, Pringle's been okay, but like, they don't have any secondary play. Like they don't have, they don't have anyone as good as Sammy Watkins was the year that they won the Super Bowl, And, and that is, uh, I, I think sadly going to be a problem for them because Hardman, not good Pringle, whatever Demarcus Robinson, clearly not good. Yeah, and that one of the things that cost them in the Super Bowl was if, if you shut down Hill and Kelsey, then there's just nobody else that can make you pay. And it, it's good for them that they have uh, a semi-buy this week against the Steelers, and hopefully yeah. those guys can um, start to get back to being healthy when, when they start playing a real team the following week. Yeah, I mean, thank thank goodness they don't have to play the uh, the Baltimore Ravens or or whatever. <laughs> um all right, so let's uh, some of the, some of the coaching changes and and all of that. I think is is fairly interesting. We we just got done with Black Monday. Um, Joe Judge was mercifully let go by the uh, by the New York Football Giants. Who do you think the Chicago Bears should hire as their as their head coach? I think to me the Bears would be probably the, but I'm a huge Justin Fields fan. But the Bears would be the Bears or the Broncos would be the two openings that I would really want to take. Yeah, I think. If I, if I were the Bears, someone um, someone like Kellen Moore would be somebody that yeah. I would absolutely go after. So, like, you want somebody who, uh, like, you have a young quarterback who you think was promising enough to use a first-round pick to trade up and get. Um, I don't think um, his year wasn't impressive throughout the whole season, but I don't think he showed anything that would make you think that he's not going to be capable of being the guy. So, you, whoever you hire as head coach should be someone who can really create an environment for him to succeed in ways that Matt Nagy wasn't able to. So, yeah, so someone like Kellen Moore or some other creative, offensive-minded coach would, would definitely be um, the direction that I would go. Yeah, you really, you really like Brian Dable got uh, yeah. a request for an interview. I mean, that would be that would be great. But like, they also did the you know the Leslie Frazier's, Todd Bowles, which is like that. That feels. I mean, the defensive minded head coach stuff can work if 
they are fine abdicating offensive responsibility or whatever. Like we we've seen it work, um, you know, but that it feels like that's not the direction to go. It feels like, it feels like Leslie Frazier is not the guy you bring in to maximize Justin Fields. Yeah. And, and even if you brought in a defensive coach and he abdicated offensive responsibility and hired a really good offensive coordinator who worked well with Justin Fields, like it, it seems like the end result of that is inevitably going to be him, the offensive coordinator getting poached away for some other head coaching job. So you're, it's just, even, even if everything goes right, then it's just going to be inherently less stable because in, in a good world, you're turning through offensive coordinators, which is probably not what you want a young quarterback to be dealing with anyway. Right. That is, that is a big part of it. So the, uh, the rookie quarterbacks, I mean, from like, it's, it's hard to tell because rookie quarterbacks are, are so bad so often. So how have your, some of your priors adjusted to fields, Lawrence Mills, you know, Zach Wilson, like what is, what are, what are we seeing there? Yeah, so I think, so I don't really have draft takes. Um, so I, I didn't really have strong priors on any of these guys other than like where the NFL drafted them, which is um, predictive of, of how they end up turning out. So I think with that said, it's hard to see the seasons of Lawrence and Wilson, uh, the, the top two picks is anything but somewhat disappointing. And yes, there are mitigating circumstances with both of them. Um, <laughs> that, Everyone knows what happened to the Jaguars this year and sure. the Jets are the Jets. Um, so you can say like, yeah, they weren't put into the best situations, but more often than not, if, if somebody, if you look at a quarterback who has had a great NFL career, they, they are better in their rookie seasons than we saw from Lawrence and Wilson this year. And, and that doesn't mean that they can't get there, but I think it's like, if, if we start with some prior and readjust based on new information, the, the new information for them hasn't been super great, I think, uh, especially relative to draft position. Um, for Fields wasn't drafted as high. Um, and if, if I'm remembering correctly, his his grades and efficiency were both better than the top two quarterbacks. So I, I think I would feel a little a little bit more optimistic about is that. Him. Is that true? I mean, I love Justin Fields, but I I I I'm gonna look that up. All right, let's uh let's let's check the the PFF grades for these guys because that is really interesting to me. Um, all right. Fields 64.2. That's better than Lawrence. That's better than Wilson. Better, better than Davis Mills. That's interesting to me. Him grading out better than Davis Mills does not feel right to me. Just like that feels bad. Davis, Davis Mills was in like the worst situation, handing the ball off to Rex Burkhead and had a bunch of 300 yard games. Yeah. So Mills, uh, so uh, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a Stanford fan, so I'm, I'm biased when it comes to Mills. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy to succeed. Uh, Mills, yeah, Mills had a, a very bad situation, even relative to others, probably. His and, situation is worse than Zach Wilson. Let's just be real about it. it yeah, and, and also he's, he's done a lot better in recent weeks. So his, like his, let's see, looking at his, his games, his grades, two of his worst three graded games were in the first, the first month ones. of the season. Yeah, yeah. so... And, and this was against uh, one of these was against the Bills. So like, yeah, a, a rookie quarterback playing against that Bills defense uh, when he was still at full strength. Um, yeah, he had a big game, that big deal. But the last I think the last like month and a half, um, his, his grades and efficiency have both been a lot better. And he looked amazing against um, the Titans. So like, I, yeah. I think 
at least enough to for them to wonder if if he really might be the guy going forward where before it felt like he was perhaps a placeholder into whatever was going to happen next that is that's uh, that feels it feels very bizarre to me that fields would rank better than lawrence though because the the popular narrative is i mean one you know obviously no no one argues that that Nagy let justin fields down because i think he pretty obviously did but the the narrative like I, I don't see a ton of people concerned about Trevor Lawrence at all, really. Yeah, I, I, I think people's priors on Trevor Lawrence dating back to are just so in, so strong. Yeah, high yeah. school or whatever that it would it would take a lot um, in a non Jaguars twenty twenty one circumstance for people to revise their opinion of him and like the the take watchers say that all like all the stuff that led to him being a high draft pick like his athleticism and arm talent like all that stuff still shows up even though their offense has obviously been terrible so you you just gotta hope that um the it was more about the surroundings than the actual level of play this year and, and hope that things get better next year yeah i mean i the the only one the only rookie quarterback that i feel uh fine being like kind of like out on would be wilson because like what like just like watching Wilson, he like struggles to make like layups and stuff. And I mean, it is true to be, to be, you know, fair and balanced or whatever. It is true that he does make some incredible like off platform throws or whatever outside of the pocket, but it's just the, the inability to execute anything structured. That was, was such a painful watch. And I don't know, there's just such a stink on the jets. It just feels like, it just feels like they are never going to be able to do it. I don't know. They're, they're so stuck in the mud. It's like unbelievable. He looked I thought he looked pretty good uh, a week against ago against Tampa Bay. Yeah, and then yeah. there I haven't seen anything of that Bills game, but from all accounts, it was a disaster. So he had he had seventy seven <laughs> passing yards and got sacked eight times. Yeah, that that's rough. <laughs> I mean, really, really not good. All right, the the people they they we we want to know the uh, the Seahawks take. So, what do we think happens? Do you think that I mean? I think at this point, most Seahawks fans would be in the camp of not wanting Pete Carroll to be the head coach of the football team anymore, which, uh, I mean, you know, look, in a way, it is it is kind of sad, right? Because Pete and, like, Russell Wilson probably doesn't get a chance from very many other head coaches in the NFL. Like, probably they, they signed Matt Flynn to that deal, and they're just like, we paid him this money, we at least got to play him for a year, and they won the Super Bowl together. Like, I, I don't, it, it does feel sad, like a little bit of an end in an era, but clearly it's ran, it's run its course. Yeah, I think so too, but it, it appears that the Seahawks themselves do not agree. And this, when I say the Seahawks, it's really just the owner, Jody Allen, is the one making all these decisions. And she's uh, very private and no one is really, no, really, no one really knows what she's thinking. But you, you would think that if they were going to make major changes over the season, it, we at least would have heard some rumors of it now uh, with so many teams already moving on from head coaches. And if you need to fill a head coach slash GM vacancy, it's, it's, you got to get moving on that sooner rather than later. Otherwise all the, uh, the best options are going to get scooped up. So it, it kind of seems like they're just going to run it back next year, which um, I thought it was a mistake last year when they decided to do this. And now here we are a year later without a lot changing and, and they're doing it again. So I'm, not very optimistic about the Seahawks being a contender in the NFC because they haven't shown that they can be for quite a long time. So I, it's probably going to be more of the same where they're a pretty good team, but not really a serious threat to win the conference or compete for Super Bowls. 
do they have a first round pick this year? <laughs> well, funny you bring that up. Yeah. Um, they traded for Jamal Adams. Uh, I, I see. I didn't know if this was still included in the Adams as, trade or not. Um, as part of that trade, they sent two first round picks. The first one went last year and the second one, which is the number 10 overall pick, oh. uh, which would be a very nice thing when you have uh, two uh, tackles who are uh, free agents and need to get a left tackle of the future. It'd be great to have a, a number 10 pick to be able to do that, but that is also going to the Jets. So they do not have a first round pick this year. How much money, if Pete Carroll is still in the building, how much money is Rashad Penny going to get? <laughs> yeah, so th this has been another source of debate among Seahawks fans because there, there was all this speculation about whether they would bother re-signing Chris Carson. And um, of course they did, only he has suffered a pretty serious injury, unfortunately. So with Carson banged up and Penny, who the team loved enough to spend a first round pick on, being a free agent, breaking out at the end of the the season, um, yeah, yeah you, you could definitely see the Seahawks being um, the highest bidders for him unless somebody comes in with a crazy offer. And it's the NFL, so you never know. It could happen. <laughs> it, it, I mean, certainly it can. You know, the, the, the I don't know. The, I mean, the Buccaneers probably are going to need a running back. Like Leonard, Leonard Fournette is going to be 29, I think. That, that, mm -hmm. that sounds right. Maybe it's not. And he just had, he's just going to be coming off this great season. So I wonder if, uh, I mean, like cl clearly the point is just that they, they're not going to be bidding against no one. I mean, people are going to want to pay Rashad Penny. I, I feel fairly confident in that assessment. Yeah. Uh, Fournette was drafted in 2017. So he's 20, 26, but. Uh, 20, oh, well, they'll probably <laughs> just give, they'll probably just pay him then. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what it is. Is it ankle? Is that what he's struggling with? We'll, we'll see what that looks like, but yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just at, also this season, I think we are, it's maybe going to be an all time quarterback carousel off season. Um, the dolphins could, could enter into the, you know, trade for Tua, trade for, you know, trade Tua, trade for Watson, whatever. Uh, I think certainly the Indianapolis Colts have seen all they needed to see from Carson Wentz. They might not be able to do anything yeah. because he is owed so much money. The Texans could or could not be in the lottery. Certainly the Broncos are going to be there. Um, we, we got a report from, I think, Tom Pelissero that said, that Baker Mayfield and the Browns sat down and said, look, we, we picked up the option. We got one more year. Let's do it. But I, I am, they will probably at the very least be in the market for a better backup quarterback than Case Keenum. The Steelers are probably not going to, I mean, they're almost definitely not going to have Ben Roethlisberger. The Washington football team needs a quarterback. The Giants need a quarterback. Matt Ryan is 35 coming off one of his worst efficiency seasons. The Panthers need a quarterback. Who knows what happens with Jimmy G and the 49ers? Who knows what happens with Jared Goff and the Lions? Who knows what happens with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings? Like, we're, we're I think we're just, and, and the Saints. I didn't even mention the Saints who don't have a yep. quarterback either. And, and maybe the, the Packers and Seahawks, but who does? <laughs> I mean, that, I, so, so, um, Justice came on the show like six weeks ago or so before the Packers went on this crazy run. And he was like, dude, he's coming back. He's coming back. And I was like, dude, I don't know, but I, it does. It does feel like one of those things. It's like, is Aaron Rodgers really going to leave? It, he, he wins the division again. They're the number one seed again. They're probably going to make the NFC conference championship game. 
they're 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 favored in the NFC right now to make the Super Bowl. They're, it's not that hard for them to get the Super Bowl. The Buck, like we just talked about, all the warts that these NFC teams have. If they even if they lose the Super Bowl, right? Chiefs Packers Super Bowl, they lose. Does he really leave? I mean, where where does he go? Does he want to go play for Denver and have to be in Mahomes' division for the remainder of his career? Like that doesn't sound that fun. Yeah, I, I think it like if, if they are successful in the playoffs, I agree that it's very hard to see him leaving. And it, it sounds like his relationship with the team is also better. So it's possible that he he sees the the stink that he raised last offseason as, as a success. And now he's in the place where he wants, where he's feeling valued by the organization and, and is fine staying. Um, I, I do think Denver would be an intriguing place for either Russell Wilson or uh, Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, it's it's hard to imagine either of them saying, I demand a trade and I want to go play for the Denver Broncos. So yeah, they, they might be staying. <laughs> I think that Rodgers leaving, it's it's tough even if he really wants to, because I would imagine that especially these spots with a um, opening at head coach, I would imagine he would want to at least be consulted in that. Yeah. And that's probably very hard for I mean, I just, it doesn't seem possible at all when he's in the midst of a playoff run with the team. He's like, it's not like, it's not like the Broncos can be like, you know, talking to Aaron Rodgers as agent right now and being like, who does he want us to hire a head coach when he might not be leaving, might be winning a Super Bowl, probably won MVP again. Like it just, it, it, it feels like the, the circumstances are, are go, like the, the Packers front office basically bet that this was going to happen. And they're, I think they're going to get paid off, which is, uh, I, it's astounding, really, considering how much of a fuss he raised this offseason. Yep. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very bizarre. Uh, the, the New York Giants, I mean, what, what are, what are the Giants even going to do? They, I, I think this is what I think happened. I think they wanted to keep Joe Judge and they started reaching out to some potential Gettleman replacements. And every last one of them was like, we are absolutely not working with Joe Judge. Not, not a chance in hell. Am I taking this job with Joe Judge as the, as the coach? Yeah, that, I, that seems reasonable. And like everyone says that there's only 32 head coaching jobs. So, or yeah, uh, or general manager jobs. So if, if you get the, the shot, then take it. But if, if the situation is bad enough where you can't see yourself lasting because of, you think of the coach that you're stuck with, then yeah, it, it's totally reasonable to say like, I'm not interested. <laughs> do the giants, do the giants have their first round pick 2022 uh, I, NFL I think draft so. order? They have the, the Justin Fields pick from the bears too. So they're like, in terms of draft capital, they're not in the worst position. Oh yeah. They have the, uh, they have the number five pick and they have the number seven pick. So yeah. they should probably take a quarterback, right? I mean, Dan oh, Daniel yeah. Jones has more turnovers than touchdowns in the NFL. Yeah, it, it depends. I don't, I don't know anything about this quarterback class, except for people saying it's not a very good one, whatever that means. Um, it's, so it's, it's not. <laughs> okay. It's not. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe that would be a reason to not take a quarterback. And then uh, I guess wait a year although that's always dangerous because it's hard to predict the strength of a quarterback class a year at a time so there's the danger of waiting a year and then still not having a great quarterback option but yeah they at some point they have to do something where daniel jones is not their quarterback anymore yeah it uh it, it it's the this quarterback class is sort of interesting because i feel like um had any of them been in the quarterback class last year no one would have been that excited about them. Like, like uh, Pickett, kind of a journeyman. Corral, like, is a, a you know a senior. Like, it's it's very odd for senior quarterbacks to be 
uh, or that maybe that's not true about Corral, but I don't know. Like I, I watch these guys play all year that Corral is at least sort of interesting and Pickett is, is sort of like, they would be really good. Like Davis Mills, like third round pick selections. Like they'd be really good. And you'd be like, Oh yeah. Like this is um, a very pleasant surprise. Like how talented this guy is. But the, the idea of like the Steelers being like Kenny Pickett is our franchise quarterback. Um, it, 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 it feels very bizarre. The Steelers. I mean, uh, I, that feels like a great spot to be if you're a, a veteran quarterback, you know, like Jameis, um, doesn't sound like Russell Wilson has any interest in going to a non major market team. Like it sounds like he really only wants to go to like a, a huge market or whatever, which I, I don't know. It seems weird for him to want that as opposed to winning, but I guess there are like real life concerns and his wife wants to live in, in a big market is, is part of it. But I mean, if Russell Wilson goes to the Steelers, I, I think might immediately be like the, the second best team in the AFC because they have so many blue chip players on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Their receivers are good. They're in theory, they have good defensive players, even though their defense was pretty rough this year, uh, perhaps because of injuries, but yeah, that would, that would definitely be an interesting team. Um, yeah. I, it, it's just, I, I was trying to think, trying to think of what it would be like with Russell Wilson on the Steelers. It's just it's so hard to picture. It, it feel, it just, it's like, it's just so bizarre. It's like, you can't even, you can't even picture him in those jerseys yeah. in, in the, you know, the, the, cause like, I don't know. I also like so associate so many of like the Russell Wilson memories with the stadium that they play in. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it, it's so weird to think of him, you know, not playing on turf playing, you know, basically the, the work, I mean, I guess soldier field is slightly worse than, the whatever Pittsburgh stadium is called, but like, I don't know. It's just always like, it just looks painful to play in the AFC North. I don't, I don't love that for him. Um, Lamar Jackson, what do you think they do with his contract? I I think they, he, obviously they'll pick up his option, but he'll be eligible for the mega extension in a year. I think maybe, maybe even they're able to give it to him now this off season. I think he's, he's on the, um, the same timetable as, Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. So yeah. I think they could, and Josh Allen already got his extension. So the, yeah. the Ravens could do it if they wanted to, but um, without knowing anything about how the Ravens are thinking, I, I would think that the uh, the willing willingness to give out a massive no questions asked deal would be uh, not quite as strong after this season. Um, not not that he's doomed or has been well, well he finally got that, hurt right he no. finally got hurt that's what everyone everyone's been waiting for Lamar to get hurt and yeah. and he did not that which you know it, it's disproven at this point that running quarterbacks get hurt more than pocket quarterbacks and in fact the play that Lamar injured his ankle on was he was in the pocket but Lamar certainly more so like Stafford could is is playing through like, I don't don't know, probably stress fractures in his back or whatever, but it'd be very hard for Lamar to play through a like a a mobility limiting injury because of how he impacts the game. Yeah. And and we, we, we saw Baker Mayfield play through an injury too, although arguably that that didn't actually help the Browns this year. And then, and and the Baker Mayfield extension is, is another interesting one where I think before the season, more people would have been in favor of just, giving him the the deal and hoping that it works out where uh, for, for both of those quarterbacks, Mayfield and, and Jackson, I think it's not quite as a, not quite of a no brainer decision uh, or for Lamar, at least maybe I don't think Baker is, was ever a no, a no brainer one. Um, I, I think it's a no brainer for Lamar. 
I, I think that I think that your chances of of building a team that plays as cohesively as not this year's Ravens, but the Ravens of the last couple of years, like they because, you know, a huge part of football teams is like figuring out the identity of your team. And like when you have Lamar, you you know the identity of your team. You know exactly how you're going to play. Like you you can develop kinds of cool wrinkles and stuff. And, you know, I mean, look. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the running backs matters guy, but losing your, your top three running backs heading into the season and replacing them with Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell for a team that wants to run the ball more often than they pass it. Certainly a uh, running back injuries for this team change the way that they go about their business way more than it would for the Rams, for example, who trade a fourth round pick for Sony Michelle and he's fine. So if, if you're you're the Ravens and Lamar's agent comes to you and says, "We want the Josh Allen deal, or there's no deal," you would say, "Okay." I would, I would, I would, I would, I would okay. get the papers drafted up. But I think that's clearly a minority opinion, especially yeah. because uh, I mean it's a minority opinion because Lamar was hurt and people have doubts about Lamar as a passer anyway. But it's yeah. especially going to be a doubt because of how well Huntley played for stretches. Now Huntley showed that he is not as good as Lamar. I think specifically the last two weeks of the season where he had like five turnovers and 400 total passing yards and no touchdowns. But the fact that Huntley and even Josh Johnson came in and like showed that they could run the offense in a similar way, definitely uh, raised the skepticism that was already quite healthy about Lamar Jackson. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. It's where it's um, they're, they're not as good as him, but the offense was still at least mostly able to function. Um, around. Yeah. I mean, the, Mark Andrews had like the two best games of his career with Huntley yeah. at quarterback, which <laughs> is interesting. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, they definitely need more out of Bateman who got injured and I, I don't know, I think they will be a much different team. So Super Bowl, who who's making it? What are we, well, let's, let's put it on, let's put it on the record. What, what's, uh, what's going to happen. In the AFC, I'm as you can probably tell from before, I'm I'm pretty torn about the Bills or the Chiefs. Um, I I guess I'll say Chiefs just because they have such an easier matchup in the first round, um, where the where the Bills have to pay, play the Patriots, and they they could very very well lose that game and make me look stupid on Saturday. So I'll I'll delay that until at least the divisional round. So I'll, I'll say the Chiefs from the AFC, and then I think NFC is harder, but. Uh, since I already picked the Chiefs, I'll just I'll, 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 let's go with the Super Bowl rematch, uh, Bucks Chiefs again. That's what I that's what I feel like is is most likely. But um, I do wonder if this is actually going to be the year that the Packers get it done. So I've, I'm I'm going I'm going Chiefs Packers because mostly because I think that the Buccaneers specifically their secondary is far worse than it was last season when they played. And that is, I mean, that's just going to be a huge problem against Aaron Rodgers. You can't, you can't run against the Buccaneers, but also, I mean, Zach Wilson had one of his better passing games of the season against them. So that's, uh, that's where I'm at. That's, that's the betting market endorsed uh, take. (laughs) I mean, I just, I just think, and I think that the betting markets are very high on the chiefs. Like relative to what you would expect from a, a two seed that has to play the extra game. But they also are, are looking like they're probably going to get home games up until the AFC Conference Championship, at least. And the fact that the, the one seed might lose their first game certainly is more vulnerable than the average one seed, I think, tilts things in their favor. And also, 
I just refuse to believe that Patrick Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes anymore. Like the, 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 the uh, invincibility cloak is certainly off, but I don't know, just somewhere, somewhere deep. I feel like he can just go 504 against the best defense in the NFL. Just if, if he decides he wants to, and maybe that's wrong. I mean, we saw in the Super Bowl last year, like, which is one of the most anomalous games of all time. They're missing linemen. The coach's kid freaking killed someone like four days before the game. Like, I, that I that that bad juju I think is is still applying to what people think of the Chiefs, and I I wonder if that was just one of the all time like most anomalous games ever. Yeah, and e- even if the Chiefs don't have a home game in the AFC Championship game, like if, if you had told Chiefs fans before the season to get to the Super Bowl, you just have to win a road game in Tennessee. Like I, yeah. I think most Chiefs fans would take that anyway. So I would, I would take it. I would take it for sure. We'll, we'll see. Henry's coming back, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, all right. Do we have, do we have anything on the, uh, the athletic to promote or anything like that? Um, at, at some point I'll have my season autopsy of the Seahawks um, either this week or next week. So keep an eye out for that, but uh, that's about it right now. All right. Well, I will, uh, I will, I will definitely be, Looking forward to uh, to that one, everyone. Ben B Baldwin on uh, on Twitter. You can you can read his charts and uh, and you can get really mad at him if the charts do not agree with your priors. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today. With each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 